I'm Dominic Moyo, and today I get to sit down with Carter Turner, who is this year's SRS Crown Champion, Team of the Year Award winner, and Nike Award winner. Hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Welcome to another episode of the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast. I'm Dominic Moyo. I'm the Hunt Test and Field Trial Program Manager here. And today I get to sit down with Carter Turner. Carter has quite a robust background in SRS and, and found a whole lot of success in our Super Retriever Series this year. And so we're going to kind of chat with him a little bit about what SRS is from a competitor's standpoint, some of his uh, his success this past season, and you know, give you guys an overview of that program as a whole and, and who Carter is as well. Uh, Carter, for, for starters, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit on your background and, and uh, your kennel you work for? Yep. So uh, Carter Turner from Patterson, Georgia. Um, I have a wife and two kids, Waylon and Kip. Been training since 2017 full time. Uh, graduated college from University of Georgia before that. And now fully employed at Mossy Pond Retrievers right here in Patterson, Georgia. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the retriever world and got into the professional uh, professional trainer gig. So um, as a kid, I always had interest in retrievers and sporting dogs and grew up with beagles and coon hounds. And a local guy named Brad Arrington started Mossy Pond and um, had some dogs trained out there by him. And he let me throw birds for him during the summertime and work for him. And throughout college, I'd go on summer trips with him and ended up, you know, getting offered for a full-time job, starting off as just a beginner trainer and work my way up to become the SRS competitive dog trainer. Awesome. So, you know, we'll jump forward a little bit into SRS. Or Super Retriever Series is kind of UKC's uh, field trial format program for uh, Labradors and Retrievers in general. Um, Tell me about your start in SRS. What what was your first SRS event, and what was your thoughts as a competitor going to that? So my first SRS event was last year at uh, in North Carolina. Um, had a I ended up getting second and sixth in the event, and I kind of already knew a lot about it going into it. Um, another one of our trainers, Lee Howard, has been running it for a couple of years, and I watched you know him and really followed along the sport, and I kind of kind of knew participating in it but knew a lot about it um you know first event i ran i had a lot of fun enjoyed it ran a few events last year and then this year it really hit them hard in 2023 um my first event was in geneva alabama i ended up running 14 events and i've learned something every time it was some of the best times i've had awesome um as far as srs so i kind of alluded to it but um you had quite a bit of success this year you won uh, team of the year, won the crown. You brought, what was it, four four of the dogs in the, the final series of the crown were yours, right? Um, I had three. Three, three. And um, Nike Award, right? 
Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit about team of the year. That That's something that uh, is kind of unique to the SRS program. So what does it take to get team of the year? And tell us a little bit about your journey getting there. So team of the year goes to the dog in the SRS. They have an open team of the year and an amateur team of the year division. And it goes to the dog that has the most points throughout the year and points are awarded by placements on a weekend event. You get six points for first place and goes all the way down to sixth place, gets one point working in reverse order. And fortunately for me this year, I had three dogs um, in the run for it and battled all year long, ended up having the top three placements for team of the year. The dog that won team of the year, um, you know, he was right, he was one of the finalists in the crown, got third. And the uh, actual, the second place team of the year dog won the crown, um, Kathy. So I'd say, you know, being able to participate in as many as events I could, that means the team of the year, them dogs held together and was very successful every week. week. And, um, you know, they, they showed great success in not going just one time and doing good. They did every week they come in there and they put on and got enough points to battle out the team of the year. Sure. You know, coming onto the scene, like you said, your first SRS event being last year, you, you really, you hit it hard. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. You, you kind of came in and dominated this past year. Um, you know, another thing that you got was that Nike award. Talk a little bit about your, your Nike award and, and, you know, how you, you won that this year too. So the Nike award is given to the most outstanding person that's demonstrated um, throughout the year and is voted on by the peers. Um, somebody who shows excellent character in the sport and, you know, has, should be somebody that look, everybody looks up to to kind of, you know, most helpful, most thoughtful there a lot. And I think a lot of that is just to, you know, how I was raised up on, um, you know, being in the South Georgia, we, we try to treat people good. Everybody does. And, you know, and every time we go somewhere, we, you know, I try to show that, the best I can do is learn and be friends with all these guys and learn as much as I can from them. Also, it manages makes these events go so much better when everybody willing to pitch in and put, put in a hand and effort. And these are my best friends out there and we're going to enjoy all this time. So let's, let's show good character. And I was surprised winning that award. Um, I was very honored. That was probably the best award, even better than the crown. winning it. Yeah. It's always nice, you know, for our shed dog program, we have something similar. We have a dog of the year running, which um, spans the two different classes in our shed dog. And then we also have awards that go to like judges and then our ambassador. So our ambassador award is a lot like what you're talking about for the Nike award. And, you know, it's always, it's a feel good thing to, to see the sport come around one individual and really say, you know, this person's character stands above the rest. They're a great competitor. They're the guy that, you know, even if they beat me in a tight race, I'm, I'm happy for them because they earned it and they're, they're deserving of it. Uh, so, you know, congratulations on that. That's, that's fantastic to, to stand out to your peers also, not just have the dogs do all the work, but kind of uh, to be that competitor that they all appreciate being there on the weekend. Thank you. So now moving forward to your, your success at the crown. So how many dogs did you end up toting there for series one? How many dogs did you qualify? So coming into, 
coming into the event, I had eight dogs qualified. Um, had a, you know, obviously the top three dogs in team of the year. Um, a couple more running in the race for team of the year. So I had a bunch of really nice dogs um, in an event. After the first series, um, which was a hunt test series, I, I carried all mine to the second. And then going at, after the second series, they cut the field to 18 dogs. Out of the 18, I ended up having five of the 18 dogs going into the third series. After the third series, I carried four dogs going to the fourth. And then to the final series, where they only carry six dogs total to the final series, I had three of them. And what were those three dogs? I know you mentioned some earlier. So but... Yep, I had Cappy, Zeus, and Shooter. Zeus got sixth, Cappy won it, and Shooter got third. So, I mean, you're up there on that podium quite a bit for for the crown. You know, I I I was also watching the crown while they were streaming it. It's I enjoy watching that. It's fun. But I know you, you kind of did a couple of interviews where this was brought up too. But uh, for people who aren't super familiar with the retriever world, there is a, a aspect to it where their dog is running a blind or something that they didn't see thrown in the field and they're looking to their handler for, for direction. Well, on one of those blinds on the, uh, the last uh, series, that dog kind of loses line of sight of the handler a little bit. And, uh, they're trying to mimic an actual hunt test. So they had the dog in a blind, they had the handler there, and then they had two people shooting and a boat that was in a trailer right behind the handler. Now, Carter uh, Carter kind of realized his, his situation. Tell our, tell our listeners a little bit about what you did. Well, for one, you know, being able to have three dogs in the finals definitely helped the situation. I kind of got to go in there and, you know, see it a couple different times. And the first few times I ran the blind, there's a part of the blind where the dog goes out of sight if you stay on the ground. And I tried moving left, moving right. You couldn't see the dog for about 30 to 40 yards. The dog is out of sight. But you still have to have that dog under control at that time. So going into my last dog, I looked around, and I kind of was – I kind of had been thinking of it the whole time, but I just didn't know if I could do it, get up in there. And so I ended up turning around and jumping in the boat when the dog went out of sight. and. From that then on, I could see the dog the entire time, and ended up having running a really nice blind, and eventually, could say that's part of the success of winning the crown right there was you know being up in the boat, being able to see the dog. That might have been one of the turning points for you. Um, now, I also happen to notice that uh, you know, again for our listeners who aren't super familiar, uh, the handler will use whistles to kind of communicate to the dog to stop and look for direction if they're starting to go off on the wrong path, and you. Uh, you use two different whistles, right? Correct. And uh, I think I noticed when you jumped in that boat, you lost one of your whistles, right? I did. So what was going through your yeah. head on that? Because it's a little bit of a give and a take, right? You you work those dogs on two different whistles. I'm not sure, you know, tell me a little bit about those two whistles, but you now you jump up there, you get the better line of sight, but now you're missing a whistle. So the reason I use two whistles is they mean two different things to the dog. They both mean sit, which is what we blow the whistle for. Every time we blow the whistle, it means on one beep on the whistle. It means the dog for the dog to sit and look for us and give it a command. And as one of my whistles means, you know, just a normal, hey, you're doing a good job. Let's just change directions and keep going. The other one means, hey, you just messed up. You're going to get in trouble if you don't listen to this next command. And the one I lost was the one about getting in trouble. So. 
fortunately for me, he didn't mess up anymore after that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just something I kind of picked up throughout the year. I noticed that um, running some of our events, I needed a way to communicate to the dog in a form that is, you know, still under the rules and still, you know, in a nice demeanor. And the different tone of the whistle can mean different things, and that's the whole reason I use two whistles. Sure. You know, uh, it's kind of interesting because I run hunt tests, and to me, you can almost kind of communicate that with a, a tweet versus a tweet, and you're out there running dogs on these massive blinds, so I'm assuming you're know, being able to have that tone, that little chirp might not even get there in time or might not even reach them given the certain wind or the certain um, conditions. So, you know, I kind of inferred that that was the, the idea behind them, but I didn't know for sure. And you know, I thought it was kind of interesting because it was something I kind of picked up on watching you run. Yeah. And, you know, the, the one, um, one of my whistles is definitely a louder whistle and has a higher pitch to it. So that helps, you know, on the long distances, if I ever get in a big windy situation, I can switch to it and still have control of the dog where my smaller whistle is more for, you know, in closer ranges. And because I use a, I blow a very soft whistle on when the dog is in close range, but still doing a very nice job. But I can blow the louder whistle for further distances or if it needs, hey, tell them about like just giving you a stern look um, like your parents used to do growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, you better start straightening mm-hmm. up. It's the same thing. Hey, straighten up or, or we're about to have a little adjustment. Yep. Yeah, the look that, uh, the look that could kill. That's right. So tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, the, the dogs that you, you took over there to, to the crown. You know, you're at the big show. What's, what's your relationship with those dogs? Where did you start forming that? Did you, you know, kind of take them over after basics? Did you, you know, when did you get a hold of them? And, and a little bit about their road to the crown. So out of the eight dogs that, um, I took to the crown, only one of them I brought up through basics. Um, I brought her all the way up through in, from, you know, from six months old on up. The rest of them was all with field trialers before, and it's just a different aspect of the game that you, it's hard to build field trial dogs and hunt test dogs all at one time. And so I was fortunate enough to have got some really nice field trial dogs, but, man, these dogs are like, per, they're all owned by clients, but they're just as much mine as they are the clients. I spend countless of hours not just training but forming a bond with these dogs i'm the one who likes to put the food bowl in front of them every day so they can trust me um you know i'm the one who gives them the medicine if they get sick and you know i rotate these dogs coming to my house and spending time with me living with me so these dogs really know to trust me they look up to me um if there's a group of people they might check other people out but they're going to come back to me and you know going into the crown i think that was a big thing because there's a lot of tasks asked at the SRS crown that is, you know, absurd and kind of like, man, that dog's got to go that far or do that crazy stuff. And they really got to trust you to put them in that situation and know that, hey, I'm putting you in the right situation. Just go do it for me. And they all did it for me. And, you know, I think a lot of that is just a relationship. I spend with them. I, I really thoroughly care for every dog I got. And I I got one laid on the couch in here with me now. So he's, uh, you know, we always just, Kind of treat them just like family. Mm. Yeah, that that bond is definitely a big thing. I mean, for the, like you said, for a dog to be able to look at you or for you to say, hey, 
you know, you're lining that dog up and you're telling them that, Hey, there's a bird out there. You didn't see it. And you know, we're at their SRS. So that bird might be 300 yards away from you, but trust me, I'll get you there. And there, there's so much that goes into that, that trust and that relationship between a handler and their dog at that point. Alan, we both had Dalter Pathfinder 2s now for a little while. What do you think about yours? I'm liking mine. One of the things I had the opportunity to now download a map of an area where I did not have service, and I've used it there, and it has worked flawlessly. I love it. Yeah, I love the crystal clear maps. I love that I never lose reception on my dog's collars anymore. Highly recommended by me as well. Dogtra Pathfinder 2, the official GPS collar of UKC. As far as your career in, in hunt tests and training dogs, you know, you said you started full time back in 2017. Was SRS a goal back then? Or when, when did you kind of set your sights on SRS? Was it just something you fell into or did you say, you know, I kind of want to try that out? So when I got hired on at Mossy Pond, I was, it was full intentions to be a competitive dog trainer of some sort. At the moment, at, when we first started, we only started with AKC hunt test, and then we got into UKC hunt test shortly after. Um, so we was in the field trials and kind of revamped and went to the hunt test game. And so I knew I was going to be very competitive in HRC, UKC hunt test. Um, that, was my, that was the main thing I was hired to do was run them. So starting out, I run a bunch of young dogs and just started in season level um, hunt test, which is the beginners, which is probably the most fun to me. I get to see very young puppies go there and, you know, do what they're born to do. It's, it's just as much trained as it is natural ability in the, in the beginner level. Just a dog having fun. And I'd go do that, and I did that for a whole year, nothing but started in season level dogs. And then the next year, I finally moved up into the finish level dogs. And then now, starting around 2019, I was pretty much all finished level dogs, 2020. And then when COVID hit, it kind of, you know, threw a little curve into it for postponing some stuff. But I already had knew I was in the SRS game mode. I was going towards SRS. 2022 ran two events, and then this year, you know, been first year running the full circuit. Okay. Must have, uh, I know you said your first event was at North Carolina, and I was thinking for a second. I was like, was that back when, uh, back when I was working for a kennel and, and we put on an SRS event, but I think that was a couple of years after that. Um, but you know, I, I do know for a fact that before we had this interview, I was texting you and I got confused for some reason. I was thinking you're on central time, which just slipped my mind. But then I was like, no, every time I go to a hunt test in North Carolina, I see him or Mossy Pond on that handlers list. I was like, I know he's local. I should have known better. Um, you know, it's, it's always, a uh, interesting to see how small of a world it is and, you know, seeing your name on, on different handlers lists over the years. And then, you know, seeing you dominate at the crown this past year was pretty neat. Um, so as far as getting into retrievers, everyone kind of has a start before their, their full-time professional career. What was your first retriever? So starting out, um, well, just starting out with dogs in general, I started off with rabbit beagles and, um, Man, I, I competed rabbit beagles here in local in South Georgia, and I loved it. But I was not really very good at it. Um, it took a lot of time and being in school, um, high school and middle school, I didn't have time. And then I got into com competitive coonhound events, 
and ran a bunch of coonhound events. And the, sometime during then, right around college, or it was more high school age, um, my uncle was a duck guy in Arkansas and always had retrievers. So I was, you know, looked up to him and Brad had a retriever operation and I was big family friends with them. So my first retriever was a dog named Costa. I got her for Christmas, a chocolate Labrador. And man, she did everything with me. And if I'd have known what I knew now, then she'd have been way better. Um, you know, just starting out, I did things that I was like, I was trying to, she literally slept in the bed with me, rode in the back of my truck. I'd be at school all day long. She'd be in the back of the truck waiting on me to get out. It was, you know, she was the dog I'll never get to have again. You know, and I got way better dogs now, but she's just that special animal that was my best friend and, you know, hunted with me. We hunted a bunch. And that's who really got me into the game. I didn't compete none with her because I didn't know what competing was then. Um, right after that, I kind of, towards the end of her, I started finding out what competitions was as she was getting older. And I bought a, another little Labrador, Black Lab, and I started into the hunt test game at the beginning. And that's kind of what set it all off. That was in 2015 I ran my first hunt test. Okay. Um, what uh... – Tell me about your first hunt test. Then. The first time, first time at the line, and we'll kind of compare that to your first time stepping to the line at SRS. Yeah, so so the first time I was I was at the line, I was um, I rode with Lee Howard to Sherall, South Carolina, and we was running an AKC Master Test slash, and I was running the, my dog in senior, and I stepped to the line at the senior test and did a good job with my with my personal dog, and then Lee handed me one of the one of an older dog that. At the time being, I don't think he had ever failed a master test. He was like a seven-year-old, and the owner had approved me to, to just to go get my feet wet and try it out. Well, I think I successfully put the dog on his first fail. Um, I, in the first series, he picked up like one bird, and I had to call pick him up. I didn't. I had no idea. I was scared. I was like, Lee's gonna be so mad at me. But you know, he worked with me and went, ended up passing my dog that first weekend. And, after I after I ran the other dog and failed it and then went back to mine, I was so nervous to, to run, but got through it. And then I, on Sunday, we ran again. And, man, and then I started running the HRC circuit. And that's what really got me comfortable because the people in the, in the HRC UKC events was just so welcoming. And you kind of get to relax a lot. And, and I went in there. I started running a bunch of dogs. and It, it really helped. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the reoccurring theme that we hear about HRC, UKC hunt test is, is that whole atmosphere around them. It's laid back. It's, it's uh, kind of like a barbecue that people are just pulling their dogs out to, to do stuff with. Then it is like this just, uh, super formal and, uh, event. I don't know. I, that's what I started running in as well as HRC. And it's just, just fun. It's just laid back and easy going and, even if you're a new guy and you show up, you got nerves at the at the ceiling, and somehow people find a way to to calm them for you. Um, now, absolutely, and I think I think you know there's the same people involved in both events. It's just the format of the event of HRC is so relaxing. There's a lot less people involved, so you know in the HRC they have a a big most of the time on Saturday night they'll have an event like a dinner. Everybody gets to attend, so you kind of get more relaxed. I think that's the biggest thing. You relax. You get to meet a lot of cool people, and you know, just it allows for a lot more success when you're comfortable hanging around the people than you are nervous around them. Sure, dogs pick up on that pretty pretty easily too. Absolutely. Um. Uh, well, 
tell me about your first time stepping to the line at an SRS. You said it's in North Carolina, but you know, what dog did you step to the line with? How did you, uh, how did you navigate the mechanics of an SRS event? Like you said, there's different series or slightly tuned differently. So what was your thoughts with it? So the first, um, in the first SRS, um, Lee allowed, he already had shooter qualified last year. So he allowed me to run him just to kind of get my feet wet. And shooter is a, he's a fine animal. He is placed now four years in a row in the crown. Um, very, very successful on the weekends. Um, he just misses one thing on the, in the crown. And all I said was thinking in my mind was don't screw him up. You know, he can do it, but let's, let me just not mess him up. And I went out there in the first series, and I remember it, it kind of relaxed me a lot. I was so nervous, but he went out there and put up an eight, which the SRSs ran like golf, lower scored better. And so he had eight points and was like in second or first, somewhere around there. And, man, after that, I was really comfortable. And then the very final series – of the first one, I was like, man, I made it to the finals, and now I have a shot to win. Ended up getting second, but, you know, being able to have him stand beside, he bailed me out when I made mistakes for a long time, and that's really now the kind of the teamwork we got is he trusts me when he don't know, I can help him out, and he'll do it. But, you know, if I make a little mistake, he'll, hey, that ain't right, and he'll do it. He'll bail me out, too. And that's still going on today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so fast forward to this year, you have all of the success. You win basically everything there is to win in SRS. Where do you, where do you go from here? What are your next goals as far as the, uh, HRC and, and SRS world? Concerned? So, you know, I, I run the HRC, um, international grand as well. So as soon as the crown ended, we kind of went up there and ran it in Kentucky. And we'll be back in the spring running it and running in February for that SRS starting that season. But some of my goals already, I, I'm starting to set some in. Every year I set goals. And and flashback to this past year was one goal I had was just make a name for myself in SRS, not really have success, but just get people to know who I am. And, you know, I, I'd like to say I probably did a good job at that one, so I can check that one off. But, um, you know, next year I want to have double-digit dogs qualified in the SRS. Um, this year I only had eight. I had a couple more that were just a couple points shy. Um, I would. I'm saying now I'm not going after team of the year after winning it this year, but I'm very competitive. And if I get in that race again, I'll probably more likely go after it. Um, you know, in the HRC, I, everybody's chasing the hundred percent pass rate for the international gram. It's probably the hardest hunt test there is, and. But it's so much fun, and for some reason, we all go back every year and try to get a piece of it. But I think it's because we have that competitive nature to be 100% and to, to run the most challenging test really puts a testament to what our dogs do. Yeah. And uh, SRS obviously get double-digit double digit dogs qualified for the crown and, and go after another crown win. Um, a lifetime goal I got is I want to have all six dogs placed in the crown, you know, one through six in the finals, but you know, that's just one of them far fetched goals that hey, if I ever do it, I, I can be really happy. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as a goal that's too big as long as you're working for it. Right. I mean, that's correct. Go out there your, your first season really and, and fill up half of the spots in the final. I think, I think it bodes well for your future in it. Do you, um, 
you know, you, you spend a ton of time working with these dogs. Do you still find time to go out and hunt birds or what, what is, what are your hobbies Absolutely. outside of it? <laughs> well, my hobbies is dogs, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, cause I, I love it. I, I don't look at it as a job. Um, my job is to customer relations, how, hang up here. The fun part is training dogs for me. I love being able to read dogs. I love being able to hang out with the dogs and see them. These dogs are bred to do what we do. Um, I love seeing them achieve everything they can achieve, taking a dog as far as it can go. It really is the best thing you can do is see a dog fulfill what it was born to do. And, you know, outside of the competitive and retriever world, I, you know, I do hunt a little bit at Mossy Palm. We have a hunting operation. So I guide a little bit and we'll hunt with them some. We do upland pheasant. So, you know, that's something kind of not used to growing up. We never did upland pheasant, but now we have an upland pheasant, quail hunting and duck hunting, you know. And um, I, I get to go probably about one time a year out toward the, the flyway and, and shoot some wild ducks. But a lot of it's just based off of uh, off of retrievers. My, my oldest son, he go-kart race. So Fortunately, I don't know nothing about it, but I, I try to go with him and learn as much as I can when I do get to go and hang out with family. That's the biggest thing. We on the road so much, you know, we got to have them people at home taking taking care of everything else. So we got to treat them right too. Absolutely. So you you kind of mentioned your your kids a little bit. Do they do they understand kind of what you did at the Crown this past year, or, or within SRS as a whole? Um, I don't know my four-year-old, I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Mm. One-year-old, of course, has no clue, but the, the four-year-old, he, he's starting to get it and he's really into dogs. He loves it. He loves going out to the kennel and training. Um, I let him run a few dogs, his personal dog, he run in a started test and he put a started pass on it himself. I, I stood off to the back and didn't do nothing with it. So, you know, it, that was probably a great blessing of the whole weekend of running that test. So he really starting to understand the game. He knows all the basics, what what the dog should be doing. And my wife has a video of my little boy jumping up on the chair, basically reenacting me jumping in the boat at the crown. He jumped on the recliner and was blow he had his whistle in his mouth the entire time, you know, blowing and doing everything I was doing. So, you know, getting to go back home and watch that video, man, that really that really hit home there. That's awesome. You got your own little fan club going on back at home watching watching the SRS live stream. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would I'd have to say um I would put in statement that I don't know if anybody else in the country had a fan club going on like I did. And there's a lot of people watching. But my family, man, they, they rallied together. I have a great support system down here in big family that every one of them sat down and was watching. I had family members in Disney world, had people in Disney world sitting with them watching that know nothing about dogs. Um, you know, just, they were watching the crown every, every step of it. They were so excited for me and they were so excited for the dogs and know that, you know, we spend so much time and hard work for it to pay off. They were just as happy as I was, if not happier. My mom drove about 14 hours the night before just to watch me run three dogs in Shreveport, so you know that's that means the world to me. So you had to, you know, you can't do it without a good support system and a good family, and, and having them as a backbone cheer me on that made it a lot easier. For sure. Do um do they kind of understand the world of retrievers? Some I don't know if they understand it or if they're just starting to learn it. 
Um, you know, they're, they're kind of new to it now that I'm getting more competitive into it. They are starting to learn everything they can. But I don't know if they realize, you know, just how big the retriever world is. Not yet, because it is huge. And, and there's a lot of people in the retrieval world, a lot of great people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I asked because it's kind of funny when you did that, that whole boat cast thing. Um, I was watching it on my computer in my office and I paused it on YouTube. And I was like, babe, come here, come here. Look at what, look at what this kid just did. And uh, like, I realized how much I had explained to her about the, you know, what was going on. I was like, man, I, I probably need to do a little bit better homework on teaching her what it is I do on the weekends when, when I go run hunt tests. <laughs> it was like a, a quick uh, debrief on, well, here's what this dog is doing. And here's what happened in the situation. This is why he did this. And look, look, just so that's why I was wondering, um, you know, if they might have understood the gravity of, of that play call there with, with Cappy. Well, I will say they um, you know, most of my, my mom has learned a lot this year and my wife, she's learned a lot, you know, just kind of me talking about it all the time. So she, they know a little bit and they, I think they understood what was going on. You know, a lot of my family members, they were just as shocked and was tickled. But, you know, the SRS did something this year. They brought in Pat Burns to commentate for the crown. And I've heard nothing but great reviews from that. And, man, we surely hope he's back next year because he's going to be tremendous for it. And the excitement he and Jay Paul and whoever else was on the thing, my family members have talked. They, I think they got excited just because they heard the excitement of them announcing it. And so then they was like, oh, this must be pretty good. So mm -hmm. then they started paying attention. And, and they learned a lot throughout the week as well. You know, they didn't miss a minute of the entire crown. My aunt watched it. She knows nothing. She doesn't even like dogs that much. She's kind of allergic to it. And so, and she watched. She stayed up watching it like all the time. Was watching the crown, so it was you know pretty cool for her. She was asking me questions. I was like, "How do you even know what that means?" But you know, the commentating on the crown is if people want to really learn about it, it's great time to watch it because they really went in depth on every dog and talked about all the different stuff about the retriever world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, congratulations on on all your successes this past season. I definitely wish you a ton of, of uh, luck with uh, with your future goals and, and sweeping the entire uh, last series. What what are your plans as far as, I know you said you have, you're planning to run the Grand, you're planning to start your SRS. Are you also going to be running your, your weekend hunt test? Are you going to be back in the HRC world? Or are you going to really hunker down and focus on that SRS uh, game? No, we, um, you know, we still have to qualify. Um, all of our dogs for the AKC Master National again, um, just like every year. And and we have, I have a, quite a few dogs. I think I have six dogs that are near 500 points in HRC. And I have two that are really close to the thousand and put them in the Hall of Fame. So I'll definitely be around a bunch of HRC events, um, as, just as many as if anything else. Um, you know, I've kind of branched out into field trials last weekend. I, I stepped out and hit a field trial and end up getting a jam with Cappy and mine and his first field trial. So, you know, might piddle with some of that, but the biggest things are our HRC hunt test and the SRS is our biggest thing we do um, outside of qualifying for the national. And um, yeah, we're, we're going to start back in January or mid January is our first HRC event. 
we'll be hard at it and you know trying to put these dogs in the 500 point club and hall of fame and get them ready for the grand you know and see what we can do in the in the srs as well oh good deal um you know i really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and, and talk about the srs and, and and your success this past season you know it's always exciting for me as a dog guy to to sit down and talk with any other retriever guy or dog pointer or just anything in the dog world but you know i thought it was kind of neat how you said you started off in beagles and coonhounds and ukc's uh well known for their their did you do ukc stuff or did you do some other organizations back when you were doing that? so when i started off with the beagles um you know, a lot of the trials were just kind of local club trials. Um, and then the, we did actually participate in some Beagle trials. Um, I wasn't, I was still, like I said, I was in middle school when I first got my first pack of Beagles. And I didn't do a whole lot of competitive Beagle trials just because of my age. Um, now in the Coonhound events, I run a bunch of UKC Coonhounds. Um, I had three night champions I owned, uh, one grand night champion, and then I did run some of the PKC events as well, but, you know, going back to when I started with Beagles, I think really taught me more about dogs, coonhounds and Beagles, because I thought dogs, I lived dogs when I had them Beagles. I'd get out of school, I'd come home, I'd train them, run them, did, hung out with them Beagles, and one big thing I've noticed about dogs is you got to be able to read a dog. You got to be able to take the time and understand what that dog's feeling, what he's thinking, and that helps the you're training, and that's in any aspect. If we're just training an obedience dog, an agility dog of any form, you need to know if that dog, I can look at that dog and be like, hey, something's wrong with that dog. Or, hey, that's one really happy dog. He's doing a good job. He's really wanting to work for him. Just being able to really look at that and tell, and I think that started off as a kid, for me, reading them beagles and spending so much time with them. You know, I learned that in taking them coon hounds out at nighttime and then early mornings. You know, I was the youngest person by about 50 to 60 years and, and the people I hung out with um, running coonhounds. Um, a neighbor took me a bunch and uncle when he could go and, you know, just being around the dog world and learning so much about each different breed of dog also helped me in what I do now because of the way I can read a dog and be able to treat them and hang out with them and just the personality of dogs. Gotcha. Um, you know, I got one more question for you. Are you by chance a big sports guy? Absolutely. All right. So here's a, here's one you probably hadn't heard before. If you had to take the three dogs you carried to the last series of the SRS and compare each one of them to a pro athlete, any sport, who would those three dogs be? Ooh. So Zeus, we'll start with Zeus. Um, he was He's a 10-year-old, so he's one of my older guys. And I'm, I'm going to go with the Tom Brady, you know, um, aspect when he was finishing up. And the reason why is, I mean, Zeus, I don't think Tom, Tom Brady was great, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest quarterback to play. True but race. he always put himself <sighs> <Sorry>. in. <laughs> well, Brady Brady always put himself with a lot of good talent around him as well and to help him. And he, he what he did was he didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes. He was never just great, but he didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And that's Zeus. Zeus is just consistent. He's. He's going to be Zeus every time. He's not really going to make the bad mistakes to knock you out of the test. But he's probably not going to go hit the home run either. You know, he's he's just a – he needs help around him. So as long as he's just holding his own ground and, and everybody else, he allows them to mess up. 
you know, Cappy being the crown champion, um, he's real level-headed. Uh, I'm going to switch to baseball here. And, well, he's not – I don't know. Uh, this is hard on, on them. I mean, it's hard when you pick – one of the right. the best household names for Zeus. Now, where where do you go? From? <laughs> well, I went I went with that because of age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, being the older guy, um, being in there. But cat shooter shooter would be more of a LeBron James style. I'm trying to think of the greatest players. You know, great players, mm-hmm. not the greatest, but the great players. LeBron the LeBron style player because I think he tries to show it a little bit. And, you know. Shooter, shooter knows that he's good, and you know he puts himself out there. He's he's always he'd be the front of the media, I guess that'd be. But he's kind of cocky a little bit, but he's he's real dominant. Um, that'd be more of the shooter style for basketball and football, or I'm trying to think of a baseball one for Cappy. Um, almost like a Mike Trout. <laughs> okay, a, a baseball player. Cappy would be a good Mike Trout. Very very good. Um, very good athlete, very good, just, you know, not really, he's not going out there and making a lot of news statements. He's not, he's just doing what he's got to do week in and week out. You know, I guess there's a bunch of them. Um, there's a bunch of all of them, but Kepi's the type of dog he really want to work with you. And that's what makes him so great. You know, he wants to please me and do everything he is trained to do and what he is known to do for the last seven years of his life. He wants to do that every time, and you know, there's times he messes up, but he gives me a hundred percent effort every time, and that that's all I can really ask for. A dog that messes up is is still a dog, but a dog that gives me a hundred percent effort and does almost everything right messes up sometimes, and that's more than a dog. That's that's the greatest dog. Yeah, it's always a special thing when you have a dog that wants to work and wants to work with you. I mean, you can do so much with uh, people. People sometimes, I think, get caught up in, in flashy and fast. And, you know, yeah, all that stuff is good and showy. But, you know, at the root of it, that, that dog that wants to go out there and do the work and the dog that wants to work as a team is is so important. Absolutely. And Cappy is 100% a team player. You know, I could have threw Shooter in there as like a Bill Belichick or something because he's he, I call him the coach a lot. Um, you know, Shooter was the first one I ran in the SRS. I guess that should, would have been a good one. He could, he taught me a bunch. So he he kind of thinks he knows sometimes more than me, and sometimes he does. But he still has to be a team player and trust me. Where Cappy, it's all trust. He he wants to do what I want him to do all the time, and he's gonna give me everything he got. And that's just you can't you can't teach that to a dog. That's born into him. That's that's how you raise them. It's not really taught. It's just how they're brought up. And the dog that feels like, man, I want to do everything that guy asked me to do, you, you can't beat that. Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny you talk about dogs that carry us through tests. Uh, one of the things that I've always done while I'm, like, from started all the way up is I'll try to find someone to record a video of me running a dog. And I remember is for my oldest, it was our first season pass. Someone was recording. Bert, a winger went off. Dog marked that one. Next one went off. I had the gun jam. I was like, oh, she's going to miss it. She's going to miss it. And she heard the thud and turned and looked at it. I was like, oh, I don't know that she saw it. 
and the whole video is basically me in shambles falling apart trying to fail this test and her somehow carrying me through it and going, okay, I know you gave me a left back, but off to the right. I'll take your cast, but I'm, I'm going to get you pointing in the right direction. But um, I digress. I bring that all all of that up to, to talk about, you know, the dog that wants to be a team player, but those dogs also want to win, and they know where that bird's at more than you sometimes. But Absolutely. Carter, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, love getting to chat with you. Love, you know, talking talking dog and hearing about your your SRS successes. And I really hope our listeners were able to, to envision what we're talking about when we talk about the SRS. And if you guys haven't, be sure to go check it out on YouTube. They got the entire crown there. But if you just want to watch the fifth series and see you know, the three dogs that Carter was talking about and, and see how well they fit into, you know, Brady LeBron and, and uh, uh, Mike Trout or, you know, Belichick, you, you can go check it out on YouTube. And you'll also see that whole boat cast situation and you'll get a, a feel for for kind of how jaw-dropping that was in the moment for a lot of people watching. But thank you again, Carter. I appreciate you taking the time to join us and, and chat some. Well, thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. Be sure to give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on new episodes.